0: Hey, it's Open Threads. It's my podcast. I'm Brian Castle. Welcome. Today, I'm talking to my buddy, Ian Landsman. Hey, here's my real-time-ish update for you. And I'm recording this one on May 6th, 2024. First, I just want to say that once and for all, the name of this podcast, I'm sticking with the name Open Threads. (laughs) You may have noticed I had briefly renamed it there uh, in early 2024. I was using the name Full Stack Founder. Well, long story short, I'm sunsetting that brand name and that website. It was a short-lived project that just didn't quite stick. So this podcast is back to its original name, Open Threads, from here on out. Okay, so uh, my... So as for my update, uh, you know, my main focus now continues to be instrumental products. That is my product studio where I partner with clients mainly on UI and UX work. And uh, I specialize in designing modern interfaces for SaaS companies. And I deliver my designs in the form of coded HTML and Tailwind CSS templates and components. So that's the, uh, the main um, service that I've been working with a couple of clients lately on, and uh, it's something that I continue to, uh, to really double down on the rest of this year. Other than that, I'm spending the rest of my time building out some new software products of my own to, uh, to add to my small portfolio. My main SaaS product, ClarityFlow, continues to run smoothly uh, with my small team, and we're always working on some imp- improvements there. So that's my update for now. On to the show. If there's anyone who can help explain what's been happening in the space of Web3, cryptocurrency, NFTs, and everything in between, where it came from, where it's going, how to think about all this, it's Ian. He's deep in it, as you can see from his Twitter feed. (laughs) So yeah, we had a good chat about all things crypto and all things Web3. Let's get right into it. (music) Ian Lansman, what's up, buddy?
1: Hey, how you doing?
0: Doing good. Yeah, great to uh, connect with you again. And uh, my goal with you anytime we're on a podcast together is to get us close to like a podcast about nothing where we're just rambling <laughs> about, <laughs> about random
1: shit. The perfect theme.
0: Yep. Yep. But I've known you for a while now, but you know, one thing that I notice from you on Twitter specifically is how... You kind of latch onto some topic, some like subject matter area, and then you just go like deep down the rabbit hole for like months on end. And, <laughs> and, and for at least the past year, what I've seen a lot of, of your feed is NFTs and Web three and crypto. I thought this would be a good opportunity for you to school me a little bit on what's happening in this space. And I know it's actually kind of crazy right now. This episode would. I don't know. It'll probably air about a month from now. So I'm sure most of what we talk about is going to be like completely out of date by then.
1: In some regards, not.
0: Yeah. But anyway, today is May 10th, 2022, for the record.
1: Everything's crashing today and yesterday. Stocks, yeah. crypto, <laughs> whatever. It, yeah. Almost yeah. everything's
0: crashed. I'm kind of curious, like for you, where did it begin? Where did, did like the interest in crypto or Web3 or any of that stuff kind of start?
1: Um yeah, so I I never had any interest in crypto. I missed out on everything. People were telling me like buy Bitcoin ten years ago. I was like, stupid. I don't get it. I didn't look Same. into it. Like all that stuff. So totally missed the whole crypto vote. I do think from a positioning aspect, to be businessy on it a little bit, like I didn't get the positioning back then and I still don't really get the positioning on like pure crypto. Like crypto, the people who want to change the current financial system and make everything crypto. Like to me- a little much. <laughs> yeah, like whatever. Like, I don't know, like, I'm not that interested in that aspect of it. Maybe that'll become true, but that was what everybody obviously was saying 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. That doesn't really resonate with me that strongly. And right. so I just kind of ignored it.
0: I think, you know, actually uh, like, cause I feel like I missed the early boat too. Cause we're in the tech industry and we did know about Bitcoin earlier than most people knew about it. But like you, I was like, that just sounds stupid. And and mostly because of that positioning, I was like, well, I don't know, this is not going to last very long. And then, right. Yeah. If only I bought like one Bitcoin back in the day.
1: We've all (laughs) gone through our accounts, right? Like, did I make that Coinbase account eight years ago? No, I did. Oh, actually I did make the account, but I didn't buy anything. Why didn't
0: I buy anything? Yeah. I I didn't really get in until like the first I would say like mainstream wave, which was what like 2018, right, yeah, There was right, like, like a like popped up. Yeah, I put a bunch in, and then I kept a bunch in since then. Not too much, but anyway, I hear I want to hear more about how. Yeah, how no. So I mean, I wasn't
1: even in then. Even then, I was like, uh, oh, like whatever. Like it's obviously it's going up and down. I had like a tiny amount, just like literally like a thousand dollars in a couple things, and like I'd occasionally watch it go up and down, you know. Quadruple and then fall and whatever and mm-hmm. didn't really follow it very closely.
0: Like just coins, just like hearing about coins and
1: Right. Just like those yeah. random things. And like literally just a few mm-hmm. hundred dollars and stuff like that. Like nothing. Wasn't even thinking about it. And then the first thing that piqued my interest, like so like you start here a little bit about Ethereum and how and like contracts and basically the ability to do more with it than just be a replacement for the financial system. So that's like kind of back in my head, but I still didn't really do too much with it. Because Ethereum like has all these expenses and it's slow and all this stuff. So again, it's like not really interesting to me. It's like, okay, like it can do 10 transactions as, you know, second, fine. Like that to me doesn't feel like it's gonna revolutionize anything, which is obviously that's how everything starts. I mm-hmm. probably should have looked more into it even then, but like I didn't. And then I found out about Solana, which its main thing was that it's like high throughput essentially no transaction fees yeah. and so then that like click with me i was like well if you could do like ten thousand transactions a second and there's no transaction fees and like they can store this data and you got this public ledger and like it's not solely about like they don't position it so much about replacing the financial system although there is definitely a large part of it that's about that too so that really piqued my interest i was like okay like this i get
0: I'm realizing like early on in this podcast i should probably do the statement where like this is not financial advice not financial we don't advice. we don't know what the hell we're talking <laughs> about here like no. to, you know but yeah like solana uh for me solana was the first one that's like beyond bitcoin and ethereum which were like the two basically mainstream tokens that i guess they still are but then solana was the first one where personally i ventured a little bit past those two and it was like oh that actually solves like the problem with Ethereum is like it's more efficient, right? Right. Yeah. It's a more like sort of
1: climate wise, it's vastly more efficient. And yeah, speed wise. I mean, like just a reference, I think Visa does something like 30,000 transactions a second and it's capable of 50 or 60,000 and like whatever. Obviously, the theoretically Solana can do similar numbers, whether ultimately it does that or not. Right now, it doesn't do that quite yet. And there's other chains now, too, that are usually more modern systems of verification and stuff that allow much higher
0: throughput. I guess it still comes back to the question of like, why does any of that even matter? Right. <laughs> right. What's the whole point of even buying this stuff? To me, I still feel like very much of, a, of like a layman, not even all that interested in crypto and Web3, but I do feel like it's important enough for me to try to keep an ear to it a little bit and put a small percentage of of everything that we have into it and that's what i do right
1: just as like a a sort of hedge in case it's
0: huge (laughs) yeah exactly in case this is like even before the beginning (laughs) at least we were here you know i dabble in like hearing about it and tuning into some podcasts and stuff but i'm not following it every day like when did you start to get like really more into it
1: yeah so this was like last spring summer so i'd still like financially wise missed the like huge move in these things because like solana was like a dollar before that and like then it was like probably 20 to 40 dollars in that range when i was first getting interested so definitely i'm super late to it all but you know late relative obviously if it becomes a huge thing it's super early it becomes nothing i'm super late so who knows but um I'm still not really that invested in it financially, like in terms of actual Solana coins or Ethereum coins or any of that, because ultimately kind of in the late summer last year is when NFTs started taking off and more of that aspect of things. And that's the part that actually really drew me in, because that to me is the like From a technologist perspective, from a software developer perspective, like that is where it connects to our world and I can see the value in digital ownership and things like that. So that's where it kind of like bridged over to me and I was like, oh, oh yeah, of course. Like I totally get this. Like this is amazing. Like I love this. This is what
0: I want to get into with you. I'm still learning and I'm still trying to figure out what I think about all that. I do think that there seems to be opportunity in in what people are calling web three and like tokenization and to me there are like glimpses of potential possibilities of what this stuff could mean like in terms of like smart contracts and how something can like grow in value like i like to think back to like an artist especially like a musician but i guess this can go for any kind of art where the original creator can be paid as their art continues to be bought and sold over over time which is like fundamentally not possible with like physical paintings, right? Right, right. That seems interesting. And then I wonder how that can like adapt into other use cases.
1: Yeah, well, I sort of see it. I mean, the three main areas I'm interested in, and there's lots of other edge cases and people have all kinds of things they're attempting to do, right? But the three main ones are like, yes, you have like, what is the most visible aspect is like the art, right? And you have the one side that loves it. You have other many people who make fun of it, right? You have monkeys and dragons and whatever. Right. Like digital art, and you, uh, you have Beeple, who's like the very mainstream, but he's making still pretty weird art, Elon Musk naked and whatever, all kinds of stuff that he does. So, I don't even know about this. Oh, people like probably the most fav- <laughs> no, the famous. Well, like, I know Beeple, yeah, I didn't right, 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 yeah. Musk he's done, he does a you know one every day, okay. Anyway, so there's like, there's a pure art aspect of like artists doing one off art, there's artists doing these collections, like Bored Apes and things like that, that people have probably heard of. Um, and yeah, so what you're referencing there is in the when you resell this art, the royalty, a percentage of the sale goes just automatically to, and there's some details around that, whatever, but ultimately a percentage of that goes to the artist. So that's not just like when the artist is dead, maybe it becomes worth something or like whatever, or they're forced to keep creating stuff because that's the only way to live. Like you could create a couple things that are huge hits and make a lot of money, you know, ongoing because people are reselling it and things like that. So That's just interesting in the art perspective. I think it's interesting in the like art, like with I mean, just look around. Like everybody's face is in their phones all the time. So, like, or they're on the computer screen or whatever. So this is where humans experience art, right? Like they're not experiencing it in the physical world as much. They're experiencing it in the digital world. And so it makes sense to me that there's this concept of ownership
0: in the digital world. It still seems like a little bit too abstract to me. The thing where I feel like a disconnect with the artwork and like NFT and, and like the stuff that we're seeing all over Twitter. I guess I sort of understand like the idea of like with like Bored Apes and what was the other early one? Oh, uh, punks. Yeah, CryptoPunks. Like the whole value that people are buying into is like, oh, it's the first of these and this is gonna be bigger later. But the reason why this is high value is because it's one of the first ever, right? Like whatever, like a Babe Ruth rookie card or like you're getting in super early. Then it sort of like kept going and you still see new projects. And some of them are like creative and funny and innovative and weird. But I hear a lot of people, maybe you're going to disagree with me on there's a lot of folks who just have money to throw around and they're they're investing in in stuff like NFTs, and they talk about it like they're super into the artwork. And to me, it's like, come on, dude, you're not into the artwork. This is <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. I mean. If they were, they, they would be investing in real art too. Like that's the parallel that you can, it, yes, people store wealth in in like physical paintings and right. like, that's the part of it that seems like a little bit like, this feels like a bubble and, and a trend that's gonna fade away at some point.
1: Yeah, I mean, it def- 100% could for sure. I think to me, the aspect is, are they into the art? There's a the whole range of people who I think are absolutely super into the art to people who are just completely lying every time they say anything and are just trying to like pump their bags which would be the phrase you would use in these scenarios but there's you know there's nfts that look exactly like a painted work of art like if i printed it out and brought it into you on a canvas you'd say oh like you painted that there's obviously monkeys and there's whatever like there's a whole gamut right so i don't know though that those same people would buy physical art like to me it's again, like, I feel like this is where our experience is and people are excited by the idea of their art being where they live their life and that they don't actually live their life in, you know, a lot of these people are younger too, right? So like, if you're 25, like you don't have a McMansion in the suburbs where you have your art collection and if you're in some little apartment and this is your world, then this is where you want to experience these things. And so-
0: And I guess like the parallel of like hanging a- painting on your wall is sort of like making an NFT your Twitter avatar. That's, that's where you can show it. Right. Yeah.
1: Right. And it's even more so, right. Because like how many people are ever going to see this piece of art on my wall? Like very few, like versus how many people are going to see my Twitter avatar or even with physical art, like people who go out and buy physical art and then they give it to a museum, like expensive, famous physical art, right? Like cause nobody's going to see it in their house. Like so that goes to the museum so people can experience it and all those things. So You don't have to have that here because I can share it with you. I'm not even in control of who it's shared with, which is I think a whole interesting aspect, which is where like anybody can take something I own and share it. And actually that is encouraged because that actually builds awareness of it. And so... That's a very different sort of thing to think about when the whole world has been built so long on like how do we restrict you? No, you can't share a picture of this Van Gogh right here because like somebody owns the rights to whatever and like blah blah blah, and we're gonna have lawyers sue you and stop you. And having a little bit different mindset about that of like yes, it's I can own something, but it can also be available to others to
0: experience. Yeah. Like in a minute, I want to get into how we get into like our world of like software development and changing up business models with Web3 and, and things like that. Right,
1: those are some of the other things, yeah.
0: But before we get there, I, I'm just kind of curious about like your, because again, like you're tweeting about this stuff, you seem to be much more in it than than I am. I feel like completely, like all the FOMO, like completely left out, like right. I'm missing whatever's no, happening over there. I don't know if, I, if right. that's a good or bad thing. What does it look like for you like day to day in terms of like, what are you following? Who are you following for information? What kinds of things are you buying or selling? Like, where's your activity going?
1: So, I mean, I've been all over with it. Just early days, like in the popular projects, like had a mutant ape, which is the bored ape alternative and like the Solana sort of equivalents of the popular collections and things. And some of them I have ones I'm holding on to just like filed away and maybe they're going to go to zero and maybe they're going to be worth a lot of money. Who knows? But I am getting more interested in the like next phase of it. So like one of the things probably the collection or project I'm most involved in is this one where it's a NFT based horse racing game. And so like this is sort of getting it's like the interesting things you can do. Oh, and like
0: gaming is another interesting element. Yeah,
1: it's gaming and it's like, but it's a whole economy. So it's like you can own a track, you can own a horse, you can breed the horse which all sounds crazy i totally agree <laughs> but it's no different than like i play playstation 5 and i play world war ii battle game and my kid buys all these like skins for their gun or their i know tank or whatever my like, daughter's like super into that-
0: she's super into roblox now she's eight years old so is my daughter who's nine <laughs> yeah of course every <laughs> tons of now. roblox i mean yeah.
1: the amount of times i've put money into roblox is in
0: exactly the- you know and she customizes her avatar and stuff like that and like And she wants to get new equipment for her avatar and all this different stuff. And it's like, I wonder about like how normal or or how her mind as she gets older, having grown up in this like Roblox world, how is this kind of technology going to like her generation? This is what always blows my mind. And I can't even fully get my head around it is like the way that we think about opportunities to build new tools and software. I mean, her generation our kids' generation are coming up in a time where all this stuff was just normal when they got here It's Just how
1: they grew up, right? you know. <laughs> like, <laughs> I
0: yeah. mean, how that changes your mind and how you see potential opportunities and what things are is just going to be unreal.
1: Yeah, and I mean, just even taking it out of NFT world, like, and I know, like, gamers actually are kind of scared of NFTs, like, kind of traditional gamers, and they're not necessarily totally embracing it yet. But I mean, like, we have this warship game go into the super details, but it's World of War ships, this game. And you can have ships in it and they fight, fun. So the ships are not always available. Like it's it's digital. They could make every ship available, but they choose not to make every ship available, right? So a ship is available for a period of time then it's never available again. So if you have one of these ships, like you spent money essentially to acquire it one way or another to like buy tokens or to improve your other ships, make them good enough to earn enough of the in-game currency that, you know, it's kind of all like, what's already going on, but it's just in the game. So it's not traded wider than that. Like that ship, let's just say example, is like incredibly valuable. Like there would be people who would absolutely pay you money. Like you spent money to acquire the ship. There are definitely people who would pay you money to acquire that ship from you. Like maybe you're done playing the game or whatever. Or maybe you spent the time to earn the ship and you just want to sell it. So like all these things, like, I mean, the amount of money I put in these games is substantial. I'm like, huh. And then the kid never plays the game again at some point. And you're like, wow, like if I could just sell all of the game assets in there, even at a loss, like that seems like useful.
0: <laughs> I mean, we take our old Nintendo or Sega Genesis and go sell it to like GameStop, you know, wherever we're right, yeah. get rid old of our old stuff. Have right? more like, value like, Now they have sure. more value.
1: The old games, actually, you could sell the game back, right? Like now that you download the game digitally and all the app- purchases are in app. That money just goes away. It just goes to the software developer. It doesn't go anywhere else. You can't recoup any of it. So, you know, there's a lot of solutions to all these things. It's going to come up again, too, when we talk about, like, kind of tokens and more in our world. But, like, I think there are existing world solutions to a lot of these problems that don't involve crypto at all. Like, these game companies could have a way to a marketplace in them, right? Like, you could have a marketplace and have USD transactions. And, like, it's a little tricky because the underlying like visas of the world aren't really set up for like microtransactions. And so it does get a little tricky. And like, if I want to have a bunch of 50 cent transactions, that gets kind of weird. But, you know, Apple's managed it by bundling them up. Like when you do your million 25 cent Apple microtransactions, right, they just bill you like at the end of the week or whatever there you hit some threshold and then they bill you. So there are like other solutions to parts of it that are possible. And I think the same is true of like, when you get to like the investment aspects or like what Jordan's doing, your other podcast co-host I'm with tokens and his business and like, you know, I don't know if we want to transition to
0: that. Let's get into so, that. So, yeah. Okay. Hey, real quick. This podcast is sponsored by Instrumental Products. That's my product studio where I and my small crew, we take new product ideas from concept to launched. I'm a full-stack product designer and developer, and I love collaborating with fellow founders, creators, and SaaS companies to bring that spark of energy into new product ideas. Think of Instrumental Products as your shortcut to shipping that next idea and getting it into the hands of your customers as efficiently as possible. Got something to ship? Let's talk. Visit InstrumentalProducts.com to learn more. All right. So Jordan and I have been talking about this on the podcast. He's very much getting into it with Rally. And there are, I guess, there are other software startups going in this direction. All right. So, my, again, like super layman understanding of this is basically if a software startup is going to become like Web3 enabled or whatever, like associated with, with Web3, it means that they are at some point going to offer a token like from their brand. Potentially, mm-hmm. and users of their tool, like the more they use it or the more they help grow the tool and its user base, they gain ownership of this token. And I guess externally, the token could be bought and sold just like any other token, a Bitcoin or Ethereum or Solana. And that's the idea. It's almost like the only parallel I can think of is like a publicly traded company, right? Like I use an Apple computer, but I could also own Apple stock. But I guess the idea with this is is that you're, it's more intertwined where like the more you use it, the more stock you gain in this or equity that you gain, right? Which in turn like raises the value of that coin.
1: Right. So I think there's this example of like, you know, the way it works now is you go and get investment from rich people. Like you're literally limited to people who make more than $200,000 a year or $300,000 a year can invest in private companies essentially as like an angel or things like that or VC. And so you get a handful of those, you raise some money, then you start your software business. Your customers have nothing to do with any of it. Your first customers get nothing out of it other than being the first customers, which is great if they like your product, that's fine. But we all know that the first customers are actually super important. Like they're giving you the most important feedback They're taking the biggest risk because you're probably going to go out of business is the reality. So like they're taking the risk, putting their time and effort to participating in your software product at very early stages. And they're not, you know, compensated for any of this. They can't even buy shares in your company because you are not a publicly traded company. Like, yes, with Apple, I could buy shares, but I can't buy shares in your early startup. It's literally impossible, right? And it's like against the law. Like, you can't even offer this. It's not offerable. So... I think that's where it's interesting is because with the coins, you do have this at least potential. I think there's not a lot of places that have realized the potential yet. It's still super early, but the potential idea of like both raising money for more people and then also by rewarding early customers in tokens so that. They're rewarded for their early participation.
0: Yeah, it's like a user activation play, marketing play on the user side. And then on the company side, it's like financing.
1: Right, it could be financing initially for the company and how it's all structured, but that's a possibility. And then also, I don't think Jordan's really set up that way. Like he's got more traditional financing, but it's more on his about the rewards for the early users. If you're early, if you give us that time, effort, obviously you're going to be more engaged in marketing and sharing it like and we all know that's again super important early on Do those early customers go out and tell their friends and talk about it on twitter and tell their business colleagues like if they have essentially feels like an ownership stake or some financial upside certainly then they're going to be more inclined to talk about it
0: so i guess to play a little bit of like devil's advocate again i i still find myself in this like i'm intrigued by the idea i'm interested in learning about it but i don't know what i think about it yet it still feels too abstract so just on what we're saying here about it's a way to grow engagement and growth with early users but what about the product itself right like what about getting back to basics of like you have to solve a problem that people actually care about how does a tokenization even help solve that problem or make it easier or you know like aside from just like giving users equity or giving them more of a stake in the early parts of a company by using the product is there anything else like functionally that a token could could potentially do well
1: some yeah there is like and so like in the horse racing game i'm involved in the token is gonna be like how you buy and sell things in the game. There's two tokens actually, and one of them is the transactional token. So it allows things like super low cost transactions, like there's no 3% Stripe involved there. Now all the in-game transactions are basically free, even though there's real money moving back and forth between them. So like, that would be like one example of like, in the application, there's some benefit. So, Yeah, although I don't think it necessarily always has to. To me, like, it's still interesting just in the, like, is this a way to do equity that's better? Which is where, kind of what I was saying before, like, they could just change the laws and make it so I could just issue stock to all my early customers. Like, that could be a thing, right? Like, it's not a thing. I can't actually do that. But it could be a thing if we change the laws to make it a thing. And then that would be a thing. And I think that would be... It's not a path for everybody, just like this Web3 stuff wouldn't be a path for everybody. But it might be a path for certain kinds of businesses to raise money. And so, like another example is, like, I think, I don't know if you saw this on Twitter. I kind of messaged um, Patio11 on this, and he didn't reply. But it's like Stripe. Like, to me, Stripe is, like, the perfect example. Like, I was super early on Stripe. I was so happy with Stripe. We were coming from like authorized.net. It was a total disaster. Stripe was so much better. The API, it's all great. I put tons of effort into Stripe. I mean, I personally involved in this Laravel ecosystem with a lot of software developers. I have personally exposed thousands of software developers to Stripe. Mm -hmm. I don't get anything from Stripe, right? I literally couldn't participate in Stripe if I wanted to. They are a private company still, even after 12 years or whatever it's been. I can't even buy stock in this thing. I'm pushing to everybody all the time much less like way back in the day, have any way to invest in it or participate in it at all. Even though I've made the millions of dollars minimum, like minimum I've made the millions of dollars. But you know, and I get to use the product, I like the product and that's great. And you know, certain products are so good, right? That they cause that reaction. I didn't need financial motivation to push it, which is mm-hmm. great. Yeah. But at the same time, like there is even just this idea of fairness on some level of like, I've made you millions of dollars. And it feels like there should be some way to have some
0: element within that. Some like early adopter benefits. Something, right?
1: So I do think that there is like, these things are kind of out there. And I feel like that's where like a couple of years ago, like crowdfunding. And even now you still seeing people talking about that. It's like, it's in the air that people want to have a way to do these things.
0: Yeah, it still seems like to me, the connection that I can still most easily make is a way to fund. And a way to reward early users. But I guess what I'm what I'm also sort of like waiting for in this space is like the example or a couple of examples where it's like, oh, that really clicked and that was a success story for that software startup who really made it work. Because I feel like anytime I listen to anyone talking about the possibilities of Web3, it's only about possibilities and ideas. You know, it's not super concrete.
1: Well, I say the thing with this is, it's kind of interesting because you have a lot of people who aren't software people in this space and now you have more software people, right? But like this, literally all this stuff was sort of not even a thing until like last, like literally last year. So like, obviously it feels like crypto has been around forever and why is there not the big success story yet? But really this stuff we're talking about is extremely new. And I mean, we all know how long it takes to make software, right? Like a lot of the like, Real teams with real people doing real businesses using these things, like they're just coming online. Like Rally is just getting its first customers, right? Like this horse racing game, which is built by a bunch of EA devs who ran Madden, NFL, like real software development team, not like some randos who are like, we're going to build a game and like they've never built anything. These are professional game developers, a big team of them building a real thing. Yeah. But that takes a year to build a real game, right? So, like, this was only started being possible last year. So you're not going to see it until end of this year, next year. And that's why I think, well, no, like if we get to like two or three years from now and there's still no examples of like, oh, yeah, here's an example of where this worked. Then I think, yeah, it just it didn't work. Whatever. People didn't want it. Crypto crashed into nothing. And so you can't even do it. What, whatever. Like there's some something there.
0: Like what do you think, whether it's in our software world or even just crypto in the larger world? What shoes need to drop for this to go mainstream? Because I feel like it's even as popular as, and and we're starting to see it in like news coverage and stuff like that, but like it's still not mainstream to a point where like everyone who is investing in crypto, including myself, is like, just in case this becomes huge, people like to talk about it like this is the next internet, right? Like just in case it actually is the next internet. (laughs) But what would that even look like, right? Because like my brother who is not in the tech industry or my parents, you know, they've heard of NFTs. uh, They maybe have thought about opening a Coinbase account once, but never really did. Like they're so far, so many steps away from ever actually participating in this world. So it's not mainstream yet to me.
1: I think you have a ways to go with that. I think that like we're in this world where like, we expect everything to be super fast, right? And happen instantly. But I think the reality is, like I said, these more real software teams doing real stuff, even the ability to do this is new, like basic things like Ethereum, Solana, like they don't have good libraries in all the programming languages. They literally just have JavaScript. Like if you don't primarily use JavaScript, you can't even really use them, JavaScript and Rust or whatever. Like each have a couple languages, but like you can't just go in any common language Ruby or PHP or anything like that, any of the web languages and be like, oh, where's the like full SDK that's got everything I need to be able to do transactions that like literally doesn't exist. So we're so like incredibly early that I think on that regard, I just think it's a while. I think you're going to have to have like, yes, the couple things that make it hits, then it starts to build out. We're like, who makes it easier? Because the way it works right now, like it's hard to do. And the normal people are never going to do the way it works right now. It's going to be, there's going to be people in the middle to facilitate that,
0: and I know this sounds like I'm very skeptical and, and anti this whole thing. I'm I'm really yeah, not. I'm it's, just, it's just more like I <laughs> I don't quite see the bridge to get there. Because like when I think about the early internet, yeah, we had like the dot com boom and bust and all that. But like it was clear that like the existence of the internet solves major problems for major parts of the world. Like oh, literally no, taking I dis- commerce. I, I
1: disagree with you. Totally disagree with you. What do you mean? There's a very famous article i can get it for you to like post up here in the show notes or whatever where a guy wrote a post in newsweek in like the early 2000s or whatever and he literally goes through line by line every single thing the internet's stupid because like yeah nobody's ever gonna book the hotel room nobody's gonna ever book airfare nobody's gonna ever buy books nobody's gonna all this stuff that we all literally do every time we do anything on the internet the whole thing it was like no that's an and then, interesting you know, he's come out year a couple of years later not even that long later it was like i was totally wrong like i told totally you but at
0: that. least he could envision that person i haven't read that article but I, i've seen stuff like it where completely right off the internet right there's a like, lot of yeah
1: that was i think it was but at least order, they like,
0: could inclusion. point to it and say like all these people are saying we're gonna buy books and we're gonna buy dog food on the internet they're wrong but at least they can point to it like I don't know what it is that we're arguing like will happen in the future. with Web. Well, I think it's the
1: stuff we're talking about. Like people will fund very successful companies by using token rewards. People will buy digital art, will overtake physical art in total revenue in 10 years from now. I mean, we didn't even talk about other uses for things like NFTs, which is like connecting. The NFTs can connect the real world to the digital world. So like I could have an NFT that gives me access to a place Like a club, like I have an NFT gives me access to the club when I don't want to be a member of the club anymore. I can just sell the NFT and now I'm not a member anymore. And that person who bought it is.
0: the the other like physical thing that I think about are like contracts, right? Like it's literally, we're talking like with Ethereum, we're talking about smart contracts. So anything mm -hmm. that is contract based in the world, whether it's like real estate or, or yeah, like ownership or membership or access can be digital access,
1: right? So now that's where, that's kind of like the line where like I become the person who is the naysayer. <laughs> like, cause that's the like, oh, you're gonna buy a house and like, you'll just do it on the blockchain and like, it'll just magically instantly happen. And like, that to me is probably like, for me is probably too far. Like maybe not in like the distant future, but like in terms of comparing it to the internet, like 2.0, I don't know if I feel like in five years, that like all mortgages are gonna be an Ethereum contract. And, you know, I think that that's like, to me, I don't think that's true. So that's like my line of where like, I don't think it's gonna be that. I mean, why are you skeptical on that? I don't think the blockchain solves a lot of the like, or not easily uh, solves a lot of things involved with something like that. You have to have like title, you have to go like the county clerk, like there's a whole bunch of stuff in there beyond just the bank gives me money.
0: Yeah, like a lot of like government infrastructure needs to become right, digital.
1: Right. Is, the bank gives me money. That's going to be like the last sure. thing to come along. But right? yeah, but there's like all this other stuff that happens as part of it. Like, I don't know if that stuff's all going to be just on the blockchain. Like, could you write a contract that theoretically does all this? Absolutely. Like, will it actually happen? That feels unlikely to me on like a near-ish term time scale? there's a lot of things that work out. Like people don't want all their stuff. There's like this dichotomy where it's like everything's public, but it's sort of anonymous, but it's sort of public. So there's a lot of stuff to work through there societally. People have like privacy expectations that may not be applicable in a blockchain-based financial system and things like that. So, but I think, it, you know, there's other things like authentication, which are interesting to be able to have this, using it for authentication. I mean, I don't think web three, I think the term is a little bit unfortunate because I don't think it's as big as web one, two, like in terms of, and again, maybe I'll be the one who's like 10 years from now. I'll be like, Oh, I totally got that wrong. But to <laughs> me, this like, podcast with Ian. Langley, right. Yeah. Right. Like this <laughs> idiot on the podcast said web three <laughs> wouldn't be as big as web one. Right. But like to me, web three is more like the natural extension of like digitization that occurred with like web one, two. And like, it's more just like, it's, biggering web one two more than it is like oh the like mental sea shift that was like everything just literally only physical to now but in terms like of like growing digital. the
0: economy i guess there's all sorts of different arguments you can make here but like when i think about like web 1.0 it, it literally expanded the economy for so many people right like it took the corner shop who makes t-shirts and now they can sell them all over the world right It did put a lot of those out of business also, Of course, (laughs) eventually. (laughs) Yes. But yeah, no, I agree.
1: Like, I mean, obviously, like the amount of economic activity that's come out of it is huge. I don't know if I think it's that same level of economic
0: activity. Maybe it is like. Yeah. And you know what? Maybe it didn't even happen all that. Like looking back on the 90s. Right.
1: It's not fast. Yeah.
0: Like we like to look back on it like, oh, it all it all changed when we were teenagers and it was like overnight. But like. It's like over a 10 year process, right? And, yeah, and exactly. we're only a, a couple of years into like crypto really being like an actual thing that people talk about all the time.
1: Right. I think it's like that phase of like, yeah, it was like, okay, 95, you had like your AOL and like stuff like that. And like, you couldn't really do anything. And then, you know, that progressed and you had to crash and it seemed like nothing was going to happen. And then you had Amazon and Google and all those things come online and it's like, okay, now you have like the modern internet. But that's like seven to 10
0: years. And then it's even sort of hard to remember the internet before what people think of us as web 2.0, right? Like social media and like that stuff did not come along until well into the 2000s, right? No, if you're not in
1: your like mid 40s, like you don't remember that. I don't think really like they're not well, because like that was a whole different world where it was just like chat rooms
0: and email and yeah. A couple like random websites, to, like yeah, you know, you know, all websites. the websites you can just find a list of them. <laughs> exactly like, <laughs> like you went
1: to Yahoo yeah. and literally went through the directory <laughs> of every website on the internet, like that's <laughs> what you did. And so, like, you know, obviously, we're so far away from that and that explosion. In the, like it is a t- short time span in the history of the world, but it's a long time span in terms of like, yeah, like in crypto, yes, we've had a year or two like where this stuff has even been on people's brains is like you could theoretically do other types of things besides just change the financial system. Like there's this database essentially and the contracts and what that could mean. And so ownership and how that's all tied together. And so I think it's gonna take some time to see if it becomes something or nothing. Like it could totally become nothing. I am happy to tell people all the time, I would not be like shocked if it becomes nothing, like definitely could become nothing you also need luck like maybe the world right you have war in ukraine and maybe it spreads to europe and maybe all kinds of shit happens and like everybody this all loses steam or maybe it creates more steam like maybe people (laughs) want money that's outside of country boundaries even more than they did before and like who knows like it's hard to predict these things right so i wouldn't be surprised by any outcome really but I do think it's like early and you want to, I like being involved in it and just seeing what's going on. Basically,
0: It does seem still very relatively early. And it also seems like in the last couple of years, it has taken the next logical steps toward becoming a bigger thing, right? Like you see like right. major companies investing in crypto and right, and, all, and all the investment and, and all the, and everything, you know, kind of like, and yes, it's like kind of crazy and volatile, but like, That's what happens in the early days of something that eventually becomes big right so
1: i mean it's all this web one where it's like all these companies had crazy valuations and then they all like went out of business so like and then on the ashes of that all these other companies rose up and were like became what we think of as the internet right so Yeah. yeah it's hard to know
0: that does it for today's episode of open threads what'd you think let me know on twitter or x I'm at CastJam, and you can find the full videos for all episodes of Open Threads on the YouTube channel for this podcast. That's YouTube.com/slash/OpenThreads. One more thing, I'd really appreciate if you'd give this podcast a five-star review on iTunes. That helps a lot. Thanks for listening. I'll see you on the next one.